Hey there, welcome to the Lurk Lounge, the pod where we discuss the real on all things business and entrepreneur related. I'm Summer Barnley, attorney, business strategist, entrepreneur, lover of Grey's Anatomy, sipper of matcha tea, believer in Christ, and ethnic food enthusiast. I invite you to eavesdrop on the lessons and conversations inside the Lurk Lounge. Hey, Lurkers, welcome back to the show. So excited that you've joined me here for another episode on the Lurk Lounge. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's amazing guest. But first, you know I have to practice what I preach and give you my legal disclaimer. So this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing should be taken as legal advice. You listening does not create an attorney-client relationship between us. Your situation will vary and the laws will vary. So please find a qualified legal attorney in your area to help you in regards to your specific and individual situation. Now that that's out the way, let's go ahead and jump right into the biz tea. So today's business tip of the day is to keep track of important dates as it relates to your intellectual property. So for those of you out there who are thinking about filing your trademark applications, you must give the first use date for every good or service that you register. And believe it or not, there is an actual legal definition for first use. For goods, it's the date where they're sold or transported in commerce. And if you're offering a service, it's the date that you use the mark or display it in the sale or advertising for services and that the services are rendered in commerce. Giving incorrect dates could lead to fraud and the loss of your trademark. So today's tip, make sure you're documenting those important dates for your intellectual property. Now, let's get into our amazing guest for today. In 2018, Stephanie Vault founded Social Money Finance LLC, a personal finance company that specializes in helping Gen X women make empowered financial decisions through the principles of effective money management. She has made it her mission to help Gen X women gain greater confidence in their financial decisions own their power, and build a life they love. Stephanie, welcome to the Lurk Lounge. (laughs) I love it. How are you? I am doing amazing. Now, I know that I just read this professional, wonderful bio, but we know there's so much more to you. So give us the real about who you are, what you do, and who you serve. Well, thank you so much. And you did an, an amazing job. <laughs> Look, I Look, try to read. <laughs> Look, I went to school. <laughs> way better than me. Listen, so as you said, my name is Stephanie Vaught and I am the founder of Social Money Finance. So we are a personal finance company. And just as you said, our target audience is Gen X women in particular. And the reason we chose this audience is because we were not finding where there was financial material or financial education really targeted to Gen Xers in particular. And so we wanted to change that. We wanted to 
put together some coaching and education that really speaks to Gen X women. And for those that may be uncertain, Gen Xers range in range in age, excuse me, from late 30s to their early 50s. So if you are a late 70s baby, <laughs> if you are in that age range, smack dab in your 40s, then yes, you would be considered a Gen Xer. And so we are so excited because we have some amazing things for our audience. And we specialize in money management and we talk about, you know, really building the kind of life you want to live through the principles of effective money management. And I love talking about this because I tell people all the time, the way forward is through your money. Yes. I love that. You know, my first question was going to be, okay, we got Gen Y, Gen Z, Gen I, Gen X, like who actually fits the role for Gen X? So thank you for explaining that. Now tell us a little bit about like, how did you actually get started in the finance industry? Because you're an attorney by trade. Yes, yes. I am an attorney by trade. And it's so interesting because I never thought I'd do anything different. And I always tell the story that, you know, in 2009, it was such a pivotal moment for me because I realized that I hadn't learned how to manage my money. And so Mm. if I backtrack, yeah, even a little further. So I graduated law school in 2007. And some of your listeners may resonate with this. You know, I was broke. I was broke coming out of law school. You know, I had focused on studying, getting my education and graduating. And I had some little part-time jobs to try to make ends meet. But by the time I graduated, you know, it was 07 and I was very anxious to get my first job, right? As probably a lot of students are. If you also recall, that was right before the um, global recession of 2008. Yep happened. And so that was kind of my window. And so fortunately, I did get a job in the legal industry working for a major corporation in their legal department at the end of 07. And then going through 08, you know, you know, I went through, I had the job, but eventually I got laid off due to Mm. that financial crisis. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so in 09, like I said, it just hit me like, you know, I haven't really learned how to get intentional about managing my money. And I realized it doesn't matter how much you make, whether you make Mm -hmm. a little or you're making a lot, you really need to understand what it means to manage what's coming in and what's going out because so much. Can we say that one more time? Because I don't think they heard you in the back. (laughs) I don't think they heard you in the back. (laughs) You have got to be intentional about managing what comes in and what goes out. Because a lot of times people think, well, you know, I make plenty of money. I don't need to track it. I don't need to um, penny pinch and all of that. And money management is so much more expansive, right? Than yeah. Like penny pinching and all of that. And so for me in 09, yes, I was working and I was gainfully employed, but I was like, look, I'm not trying to go back to when I was broke in, in law school. Right, so right. This economy keeps acting up and I lose my job. You know, unfortunately, I don't want to be back in this position where I'm struggling. And, you know, so making that decision early on at the time in 09 prepared me for what was actually about to happen in 2010 when I did get laid off. So that's kind of the really interesting piece. And when all of that happened, I had just been really educating myself, studying, um, learning everything I could about personal finance. Mm -hmm. And I stayed in the legal industry, but in 2015, I got an opportunity to switch gears to sort of transfer into 
the personal finance industry and I took it, you know, yeah. and it's just really where the journey was leading me. And so that was how I sort of, I don't know, faithfully yeah. <laughs> ended up in that industry. And I haven't looked back. Now, when you, at 2015, when you were able to make that switch, did you start your own business then? Or did you like go in working for somebody else in finance? Yeah, great question. So I started off working for someone else. I was working for a nonprofit and I did get trained. So even though I had been educating myself from a personal perspective, you know, to make sure that I was managing my money well and, and doing all the things that were would um, set me up for success, of course, that doesn't, you know, mean that you're necessarily ready to coach a bunch of other people. And yeah. so what I did when I started working for an employer, I went through a certification training and I went through the whole thing. It was like going back to school and I got certified to become a personal financial coach as well okay. as talk about consumer credit and housing and all the things that would put me in position to be able to educate the public. Now, okay, what I find interesting is I feel like, especially in Black households, right? Yeah. Generally speaking, money is not something that is discussed. And if you grew up like I did, my dad would be quick to tell you, or, you know, I got money, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know, you yeah. don't have nothing right now. Like this, I'm the person that's why, like, you know. And I was very fortunate in the fact that my mom was the person for the family. So between, you know, her and my father that like did the finances. And so yeah. she raised me to be very independent, but also financially independent. And so I've always been tighter with money. And so I'm the type of person mm -hmm. when I was working for someone else, it would be like, okay, I got this check. How much do I need to pay my upcoming bills? Let me keep that part out. I'm going to give myself a little extra play money. And then everything else goes to savings, you know, like after I, and I would count everything as a bill, right? Gas yes. is a bill. Groceries is a bill. My contribution to my Roth IRA was a bill. Like anything yes. that required me to put money somewhere was a bill. And I didn't realize how odd or anal that was, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, yeah. until you start talking to your girlfriends who, you know, when everybody starts making money about how they actually spend money. Because in my mind, my savings account can say one thing, but if my checking account, if I already used my little whatever I gave myself for the yeah. month, I'm broke at that point. That's like, it. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. I don't have it. I don't have it, right? So yeah. I also feel like oh, as, as Black women, especially who are starting our own business or entrepreneurs in a career, there's this sense of, you know, you have to be able to show that you made it or that you're doing mm -hmm. well. And mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about like, what's that connection between self-worth and money management? Mm, that is so good. So first of all, I've got to go back to what you said your process was and how you manage money, because that is so awesome. First of all, I mean, there's no one 
right way to do it. But right, the fact right. that you had your whole system set up in that you counted groceries and gas as a bill, that's literally something I talk to people about because it's so easy to you know, only attribute bills to things that have due dates, right? Mm -hmm, so it's mm -hmm. like, if it has a due date, I'm going to put the money aside or I, you know, or I'm going to pay that when it comes due. But everything else, like groceries, like gas, like those things that, you know, Tags. are discretionary. Yeah, tax that come up here and there that, you know, just aren't something that, again, that has a due date attached. A lot of times that's the thing that can get away from us and something that sounds that simple is what can literally destroy a budget and put mm. you where you're living paycheck to paycheck, even if you're making a lot of money. And the yeah. thing of it is having a system in place that works for you. That's the main objective. That's what's going to serve you so, so far. In the, well, first of all, in the present, but also well into the future. So I just had yeah. to, you know, piggyback on what you said, because that is um, awesome, right? So to answer your question in terms of how money management connects to self-worth is such a great question because there is certainly a connection there. So first of all, when you make it in a point, right? When you set the intention to divvy out what your lifestyle costs are mm -hmm, based mm -hmm. on the way that you live your life, not based on how somebody else lives their life, not based on what so-and-so said, not based on what you see on social media, mm -hmm. not based on any of that. It is literally based on what does your lifestyle cost you? And again, there is no right or wrong. There's no, you should only be spending X amount of dollars. It's not that. It is based on what type of life do you want to afford yourself? Yeah. And then once you understand that, it's also putting value to what are your goals? What mm -hmm. types of things do you want your money to do for you? Yeah. How do you want it to support you? How do you want it to help you achieve your goals? And when you get First of all, when you set the intention and then you put it into practice, you get clear on it and you stay clear on it, even if those goals change. And so when you make yourself a priority and you put what is important to you at the forefront, that absolutely connects to self-worth because yeah. you are saying, I am worthy of living the life I want to live, what is meaningful to me, right? And so when you do that, it helps you, you know, in my in my experience, where you're not judging yourself for doing what we would consider right or wrong with our money, right? Or you're mm -hmm, not letting mm -hmm. someone else or some outside influence tell you how to spend your money or tell you what's important to you because yeah. you have already established that for yourself, yeah. right? So making those two and attributing your, your the business of prioritizing what you want for yourself and the president in the future is how you, is just really one way and one very important aspect that is how you walk the talk of owning your self-worth. Oh yeah. And you know, I realized, and again, I guess because I'm very active through my systems with how I deal with money, when I got ready and said, okay, I know that within, you know, six months or whatever, I plan on launching my own law firm. I'm not taking any, you know, loans. I'm like bootstrapping this. I'm funding it myself, X, Y, and Z. Because of the salary that I had before, I was able to afford myself certain luxuries that I knew I wasn't going to do moving forward because as you mentioned, my priorities changed. 
and what I wanted my money to do for me instead of treat me was to help grow and build my business. And I wanted it to be invested into my business, you know? And I remember at one point I started making these switches, like even before I left my old firm. And I remember my boss's wife making a comment to me because like one of this is going to sound so crazy, but one of the things we had in common were our nails. Like we just always kept like our nails done. We actually had the same nail guy. Like I had a nail guy, had his personal cell phone number, would come in on his day off if I needed him to, would squeeze in my family (laughs) when they came into town, like kind of thing. And she was like, oh my gosh, I just realized your nails aren't done. She's like, this is probably the first time in five years. I've like never seen your nails done. When are you going to go see Kevin? Why haven't you gone see Kevin? And I'm like, girl, I'm trying to save up for X, Y, and Z. And she's like, you don't have enough money to get your nails done? I'm like, yes and no. I have the money to get my nails done, but I'm choosing to allocate it towards something else because, you know, in a long list of things for me, that was like $200 a month. Yes. When I started my practice, I was able to run it on less than $200 a month. So it's like, you know, being able to transition where I wanted my money to go and how I want it to work for me was important. And it didn't matter to me. Like if you just had to see me without my nails done, that was okay. Because you know what? (laughs) I was going to run this virtual practice. I didn't need to be in person seeing people. (laughs) That was not important at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what it is. It is, it is taking ownership of the money you make, right? regardless of how much it is, and then allocating it to what is important to you. So aside from, you know, the quintessential bills and all of that, like you said, you set goals, you had a plan, you had a timeframe that you wanted to achieve something. And it was important for you not to um, incur debt, right? While doing it. And that's your choice. That is your choice. And so if you said, you know, I've got enough money where I can bootstrap this, I've got enough resources where you know, I can get creative and allocate my money to the startup costs, right? The, mm-hmm, the things mm-hmm. that is needed to establish my business and keep my overhead low. You yes. know, that's the part of it. Then I'm going to do it. So if that means, you know, letting go of getting my nails done for a little bit is yeah, not going okay. to Starbucks okay. every day. <laughs> right. It's going to be okay because your bigger picture. <laughs> Is Correct. that you get to, in exchange for, <laughs> you know, having your nails done every week, you are going to use that money to, you know, fund your business and have, you know, establish this, you know, the setup so that you can meet that goal of bootstrapping your business. And then once yeah. you start to see that, you know, that cash flow, then I imagine, you know, that's something you enjoyed was getting your nails done. So I imagine you can probably build that back in if you choose to. Oh, yeah. And you know, it's so funny because one of my other splurges, because I was, I think you and I had this conversation off camera last time, but you know, I was working like 80 hours a week, like literally working like a dog. And so one of the things that I started a few years ago was getting a membership to a spa. And so every single month I got massages and facials. But instead of being relaxing, it was like going to a doctor, right? It was like, it was needed. Like I remember in between like a two week massage appointment and my therapist was like, 
you should not be this tight again. Cause I get like super deep massages yes. and she's yeah. like, what are you doing? Why are you like, why would you be so stressed? And I was telling her like, Oh, well, we're going through this thing where she was like, you need to leave that job. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's interesting because I would like to not only from a self-care aspect, go back to doing that, but from a wellness aspect, go back to doing that. But now, even with where we are in COVID, yes. I'm like, I don't want to be that close, you know, to, to someone else again, like in that personal space, you know, getting something like that. And then also saying, okay, well, you just, again, reallocate what you would want to then, you know, put somewhere else. So let me ask yes. you this, Stephanie, do you ever talk to couples about how to, how to manage their household finances? Yes, absolutely. That is a part of my business. So as I mentioned, you know, my, the, the, the bulk of my clients are Gen X women. Yeah. But a lot of times if they are married or if they're in a partnership and they want to, you know, have their spouse or partner kind of join in on the coaching or be in on the conversation and have this more expanded conversation, then absolutely, you know, we do that quite a bit. And most of what I talk about is, you know, especially with, and, and honestly, it can be newlyweds or people that have been married a while, mm. or if they're just in life partnership, right? Mm -hmm. Then we're talking about what is the best way to manage money together. That is generally the question I get the most often. And my answer always is there is no one right answer. And we yeah. go through what the options are, right? The other question that I get often is, you know, a good way to communicate about money because mm. that can be a source of tension in a relationship. And again, you can be freshly into your relationship, freshly married, or you can be, you know, in a long-term relationship or have been married a while. And that can still raise tension, especially depending on where you are. So mm -hmm. as you know, I tell people all the time, the two individuals, you might be united, right? But you're still an individual person. And so you still may have individual goals and dreams and things that are important to you that even though you're in a coupleship, you still have every right to pursue what is important to you, right? And, and yeah. making sure that your partner is in a supportive space, mutually supportive space, and that, you know, it takes money to build upon whatever it is that you're wanting to do. And so you need each other to be on the same page, right? Mm -hmm, so I say, mm -hmm. like, even if your, you know, individual goals are different, right? So even if you have something that you both want to do, but it might be different, you just still need to be on the same page in terms of being a support to one another so that it does not have a negative impact or negative influence on how the money's being spent. Yeah. Know? So it has a huge, it, it definitely connects and relates. And then the other piece to this too is, let's say you have some goals you want to achieve together. Then that absolutely means, you know, being on the same page with each other, oh, yeah. right? And staying in communication and then figuring out a, out a way to support the, the mutual dream and how are you going to do that from a financial perspective, as well as a communicative perspective, because you got to mm -hmm. talk, you got to mm -hmm. talk. So, so yeah, I, yeah. So yeah, I definitely support couples as well. Now, 
um, kind of taking a few steps back. Now, you 2015, you started working with this company and got your training. How did yeah. you then transition to like your own entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, so I worked with a nonprofit for up until 2019, actually, but I started my own business in 2018 and it started out as a side hustle. And I'll tell you, Summer, like the reason why I did that is because I had been going along, you know, working for the nonprofit, everything was cool. But as I began to coach and coach and coach, I began to notice a pattern among Gen Xers in particular. And this is my, you know, my age group. And the pattern was that, first of all, the, the quintessential phrase would be, I wish I had learned this earlier, right? Mm. And this being, you know, financial literacy, establishing or having a firm financial foundation. Because going back to what we were kind of joking about, and, and honestly, it's a, it's a pretty relevant statement, is yeah. that, you know, growing up, we didn't learn about money in general, right? Now, there's some outliers, maybe some folks did, but a lot of people didn't. And, you know, or it just wasn't considered your business as a child, right? You Mm -hmm. just out of that conversation. So if, if your listeners or someone out there is, is, if, if that's resonating with them, then you're certainly not by yourself because that was a statement I heard over and over again was that I didn't learn this growing up and I wish I had, or I wish I had been taught in school. And so that was, that's the first thing. It was just a pattern that I learned. Aside from that, after making that statement, what I also would notice among my peers is sort of this guilt and this frustration for not knowing or for reducing their full life experience to one event. And I, here I'll explain that. Let's say I was going to say, talk you, about that for a little bit. Yeah. Let's say, for example, you know, you made what you consider to be a money mistake in your 20s. Right. Okay. So let's say, for example, it's credit card debt. Okay. Which is common around that age. Yes. Many of us can attest to, you know, you were in college. That's mainly when a lot of folks got their first credit card or first several (laughs) credit cards and didn't really have the knowledge to know how to use them appropriately. So what Mm -hmm. I'll tell my story, my story was, you know, when I was in college, I got my first credit card and you know, you're told sort of the hook is that, you know, you just pay $25 a month, depending on, Mm -hmm. you know, right. So it would just depend. So like, let's say your credit limit was like a thousand dollars and charge it up and you just have to pay $25 a month to pay it off. But nobody's telling you, you attach their finance charges is attached to that interest to that if you don't pay the balance off, right? You don't pay it off in full. And so if you continue to do that, let's say you charge up that credit card and you're not paying it off in time, what's going to happen? You're going to get another one. Mm -hmm. And let's say that happens again, you're going to get another one, right? And that is the typical story that I would hear over and over again is that, you know, so I've racked up this credit card debt. I'm now like $20,000 in credit card debt. And it has stayed with me all these years, right? And so that in turn has, you know, damaged my credit or hasn't allowed me to have the requisite credit score that I need to do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but that's just one example. But I would hear that over and over again, that, you know, it's this money mistake I made. 
And now I'm 40 plus and I wish I had knew, I wish I had known better or now I'm trying to pay those debts off. Now I'm trying to teach my children. Yeah. Now I'm trying to, you know, afford a certain lifestyle that, you know, I haven't been able to give myself or I haven't, you know, gotten out from under this kind of debt because, you know, maybe I didn't take the steps earlier that I needed to take. Right. So that's just, you know, that's just kind of that, that guilt setting in that I would hear often that my clients, my peer group, like I said, Gen Xers, Gen X women would talk about. And my advice to them would be, you know, first of all, you, again, you're not alone, but also there is a way forward. There is a way out of this. And, and what was so interesting is that, you know, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but the thought was almost like, I can't get out of it. You know, I don't mm. know how to. I don't know mm-hmm. how to pull myself up out of this, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was fair. It was a fair, valid feeling. But, you know, when I would work with them, I would tell them, yeah, there is a way and here's how you can do it. Yeah. And like I said, that's just that's just one example. But it's just almost like taking your whole the, the totality of your life experience and all that you've gone through and sort of reducing it to this one thing and using that one thing to sort of stop you or make you not trust yourself or hesitant about making other financial decisions or choices because of something you did a long, long time ago. Yeah. And what it does is it halts you. It stops you from really taking the action you can take to improve your situation and then not define your whole story by that one act Mm-hmm. And say, you know what? I did this, but look, here's how I got myself out of it. Here's how I'm improving. Here's how I can make other decisions, right? Yeah. So that is that was the the thing that really speared me to say, I really want to do this, you know, full time in my own business and start a business that really speaks to Gen Xers slash Gen X women in particular mm-hmm. to really focus on this conversation and helping my peer group just make better money decisions and effective yeah. money decisions and help them know that, you know, you're bigger than that one event. And right, right. you, you know, you can empower yourself and learn to trust yourself again. So speaking of that, talk to me a little bit about like when you're coaching your clients, what does that curriculum look like? Like what types of things are you discussing with them and going over with them and actually like coaching them on to helping them work through? Absolutely. So we delve into mindset, right? We talk about money mindset. And I know that term is probably tossed around a bunch of different times. Oh, but, but it's important. It's so important. So important. important. Yeah, because I think sometimes people can hear a term and sort of almost, you know, not realize its value. But you're Mm -hmm. absolutely right. It's so important. You got to start there because, as I mentioned, a lot of times, you know, um, we won't make a decision or we won't move because of what we're thinking. You know, as I said in the previous example, like because of what we have made an event in our life or a mistake in our past, what we've made it mean. And Mm -hmm. so that can stop you from doing all kinds of things. So we talk about mindset. We talk about money mindset. We talk about where it comes from. It has to come from somewhere. And so we talk about that. We talk about once you figure that out, how to heal from it, right? How to heal the money story, how to heal what you've been telling yourself over and over again. And what you've told yourself over and over again is what I call your money script. 
This mm. is what you, you put on, you know, repeat that you can't do something or that you aren't good with money or, you know, you don't trust yourself because of whatever happened in your past or because of it X, Y, and Z, or maybe yeah. something happened to you, you know? It's like the trash and you so, keep feeding yourself. Yes, absolutely. And so we really dig into that. And then from there, you know, depending on if I'm doing one-on-one coaching, right? It depends on what that person's, you know, specific money question or concern or real issue is. And we definitely dive into that. But some of the commonalities that exist among anyone I'm coaching is like I said, getting into the money mindset, money behavior, money story, and then also talking about how to manage money and what that looks like. So if that comes to getting an idea of what you currently do, do you currently have a system in place that allows you to manage like a budget or something that allows you to manage what comes in and what goes out? And if not, we talk about how to establish that, how to set realistic financial goals, attainable goals. And it's not saying you know, you, there's something you can't do. It's saying what is important to you. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you, Summer, how important it is to really put the emphasis on what is important to you. Because a lot of you. times people don't take the time to really understand or even, you know, think about what is important to them. It's yeah. like, especially it's, it's women like, and women of color, because you're so busy the, thinking about everybody else and taking care yes. of everyone else. We typically tend to put ourselves last. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you're, you're thinking about your children, your parents, yeah. you know, which is great. But it's like, if you aren't taking care of yourself, if you aren't including yourself in the equation, in the story, then how are you going to be able to really, you know, take care of your children or whomever else in the way that you really want to, you know, when you're so extended. So we talk about that. And then we talk about, again, what maybe some specific things are like credit or like debt or retirement. That is a real subject. We talk about future income, like investing. We talk about how to, you know, again, build that future income and what does it look like for you? And then maybe sometimes people want to change careers or they want to make more money. You know, that's a part of the conversation too. And so that's, that can go to maybe a specific question. So we talk about that. Yeah. So speaking of changing careers, because I know a lot of our lurker listeners out there like yourself were trained by trade in one thing, you know, started their life out saying, oh, I'm going to be doing this one thing, and then really tapped into their passion, left corporate, you know, felt stifled by culture, whatever the case may be, and now they're making this switch. Talk to us, talk to us a little bit about, you know, what's it like switching those careers, and what's that process look like from the journey aspect? Because I think sometimes you see on social media, people will have you thinking like, it's as easy as switching the light bulb on and off, right? You walk into Mm -hmm. the room, you switch on. It's like, it's not always that easy for everybody. There's ebbs and flows and ups and downs. So talk to us a little bit about what that's been like for you. Yeah. So for me, you know, as I said, like I started social money finance on the side initially in 2018 while I was still working. And the plan was always for me to eventually go full time, right? That was all my, always my plan. And initially I had thought I would do it in 2020, right? This mm-hmm. year has been so 
different than what I would imagine all of us have expected, right? Yeah. But that was the initial plan. However, in 2019, I was terminated. And that is the absolute truth because I believe that, you know, it, I, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know what the circumstances were. I think that there was a thought that I wanted to focus more on my business than what I was doing with the, the, the corporation. And it wasn't necessarily true. Like I said, I had, it's, I had intended to, you know, go full time in 2020, but my path was laid out for me sooner than I wanted. And mm-hmm. I tell people transparent, you know, I'm transparent about it because I tell people, cause sometimes that happens. And it isn't mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you aren't great at what you do, or it's not because, you know, it's, it's like, oh, I shouldn't be doing it. That's not it at all. Sometimes you are <laughs> not so much, I don't want to use the word force, but your path is laid out for you in a way that you are destined to take it. Yes. Because I'll tell you, Summer, if, if that hadn't happened, then I probably would have waited to 2020 as I had planned. But you mm-hmm, see how mm-hmm. 2020 worked out. I know. Right? Look at God. <laughs> Look you at God. See how 2020 worked out. <laughs> and I will tell you that when that happened, I was happy because it was it was really kind of a mutual thing. It's no harm, mm-hmm. no foul. Don't, don't get me wrong. It wasn't some messy thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It was just like, you know what? This is probably the little oomph, the little push that I needed because immediately... I just went right into business mode. I just went right into it because I was already doing my thing on the side and I just amped up what I, my processes and what I was already doing. And like I said, it was a blessing in disguise for me because mm-hmm. it just pushed me, gave me exactly what I needed to move the needle quicker than what I would have done. Yeah. So that's, that is literally what got me full time. And so as I did start building, and like I said, it was before I had planned, but I just, you know, I went with it when in the building phase, right? When you're doing it, it is, the journey is not easy, but if it's what you really, really want to do, if you know you have a purpose, if you know you have a message, if you know that you have a calling to do the work that is just within you to do, you're going to do it because I think, you know, you know, Summer, you and I had talked offline that it won't let you go. It won't let you not do it. Right. Right. <laughs> it won't let you not do it. And so yeah. you will be steered in that it, direction one way or the other. One way or the other. And that's exactly what happened to me. One way or the other, you're going to you're going to do it because you're meant to. You're supposed yeah. to. And so when you just accept that, you know, don't fight it. When you just accept it and say, OK, I'm in this. I'm all in let me just do what needs to be done. Then what I noticed for me is that doors opened, you know, mm. opportunity flowed, right? When I just accepted it and I said, okay, I'm all in, I'm going to do this. Then, yeah. I mean, just the, the client started to come, right? The, the opportunities presented itself, the ideas flow, the creativity flow, right? Yeah. And like I said, it doesn't mean it's easy. It's some serious work and commitment and dedication in the building phase, because there are times you're working late at night. There are times Mm -hmm. when it's just you. There are times when, you know, especially if you're early in your business that you may not have a staff, 
you know, yeah. to really help you yet. And so that's that's really a part of it. And so that's why the mission and purpose of what you're doing has to be bigger than than you. It has to be bigger than yes, some, you know, fly by night kind of thing. And when you're in it like that and you're committed, even through those kind of bumps, then you know that you're in it for the long haul. Sure. Yeah. I went to, it was a couple years ago, I feel like it was maybe 2018, a Sarah Jakes Roberts conference. I think it was the like woman in the wild conference and she had a panel and on the panel, the speaker, I don't even remember who it is, but this one line. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so true. Basically we're saying how when you are launching when you are in the midst of and when you are doing the thing whatever it is that you want to do the business that you know you want to have if you are not operating for a purpose bigger than yourself yes you'll fail and give up every single time Absolutely. every single time and that just stuck with me and I 100%, you know, believe that to be true because when you operate from a mindset of scarcity, when you operate from a mindset of self, it's hard to have the, a genuine impact on people because you close yourself off to to so many of those opportunities and so so much of that abundance and people can tell right yes. your and your true people will know like either this person is not ready for me or they find you and they think this isn't my right person right yeah so it doesn't matter how how good your marketing is how great you are excelling how curated beautifully your instagram page is right? Yeah. It, the best product in the world, if you're not operating from a place of abundance and for something bigger than yourself, there's a limit to how much you can receive. There's a limit mm. to the impact that you can have. And I'm, I was like, oh my gosh, it has to be the deepest thing I heard all day. And so I'm like, okay, I will, I will not um, forget that. Just because I hadn't heard it said so bluntly and relatably like that. Yes, that is so true because if you're operating from ego, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, you're, you're so right. You literally have started off with the limitation because yep. you're going to go through the, the ups and downs. You're going to go through the things, you know, what we just talked about, like the, the late nights, you're going to go yep. through trying things that may not work, right? That no one responds to. You put a post on social media and let's say nobody likes it, right? Yeah. Or you introduced a program or a product and nobody buys. That happens. Mm -hmm. It does. You know, it happens. And it's like, if you're only doing this for, like we said, like a fly by night or like you said yourself or based on what someone say you should be doing. Ooh, right? we're going to should people to death. Look, look, <laughs> you know, if you're doing it based on that, let that first no come in. Let that mm -hmm. first rejection come in. Let that first, you know, crickets. <laughs> yeah. You know, come in and you're not you're not going to be able to stand it because your motivation isn't really in the right place. And Correct. so like I said, you know, when you get that coming, you know, those no's, those rejections, those whatever's, 
And it doesn't feel good. You know, it doesn't feel good, but you're still in it. You're still like, okay, what can I do differently? What can I tweak? What can I adjust? Let me yeah. see what I need. Let me get, let me learn something. Let me read something. Let me get on YouTube. Let me talk to my girlfriends. Let me, let me work out, work this out and come mm-hmm, back to it. Mm-hmm. Right. When that's the attitude you have and you're not willing to just lay down or take no for an answer, you may hurt a bit and acknowledge yeah. that, you know, Ign- be real about it. But once you've gotten past that and you're like, okay, let me, let me see what I can do. And you live to fight another day. That's when you know it's for real. It's for real, yeah. for real. And it's, and it's, you're meant to do it and you are going to be successful. But if that's not really the attitude or you're like, cause I mean, it, it can be like a blow and it mm-hmm. can be a blow to the, to the ego, right? Or to self. And that's just, like I said, we, that's just real. We're human. You're human. Yes. But if, if you are, to the point where you're like, this don't happen to me and so and so. You kind <laughs> you know, of about or, everything. <laughs> hey, listen, I mean, you just you can't get past and that's maybe that's the bigger statement, Summer. You can't get past the rejection. Yeah. You can't get past it. Then it's like, uh, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, because everybody gets told no sometimes yep. the rejection. And when you know how to get past it. It, yep. You just build that armor that you are going to need for this journey of entrepreneurship. Yep. Your armor becomes what's the titanium, whatever is the strongest metal. Mm, yeah. <laughs> your armor just becomes like your resolve becomes so much stronger, and you're building such character because you know how to withstand yeah. and persevere and keep going. And that is yep. what is required. That is yep. what is required. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Okay. Let's do a a quick switch. We're going to get to our final segment of the show, the quick fire segment. So okay. I got five questions to ask you. I want you to answer with the first thing that comes to mind. And I'm okay. going to try not to follow up and ask you more questions <laughs> <laughs> afterward. All right. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. Okay. What's the worst financial investment you've made in your personal life? Ooh, I remember buying, getting into a multi-level marketing thing when I was in my 20s. Mm, Okay. What does freedom look like for you and your business? Time to, to spend with my husband, my loved ones. And a business that is, that is scaled. So I do have the time and flexibility to spend with my husband and loved ones. I love that. I love that. What's the biggest splurge you've ever made? Oh, goodness. When I, oh gosh, when I took a trip to Chicago and I did it by myself and I had a complete spa trip. That's a spa weekend. And I had all the fixings and all the services and it was absolutely fantastic. Oh my gosh. That sounds amazing. Note to self, put that on list. Okay. (laughs) What's the best investment you've made in your business? The club, we should all be millionaires club. That is our business coaching and mentoring. And I have met some amazing people, yourself included. And that has been that I can think of the best investment I've made. 
And what's one thing you refuse to spend money on? Ooh, I refuse to spend money on just high priced anything for the sake of it being high price and it has no value or quality attached like brand valued type stuff yes yes just for the sake of it being a brand like a gucci belt yeah gotcha gotcha awesome <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation yes, that yes. we could have around <laughs> <laughs> women and brand investments but... <laughs> yes yes won't do it just for the just to flash it and say i got one no yeah no 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 okay so stephanie you have dropped a lot of jewels you've given a lot of amazing advice and tips here tell the people how they can get into contact with you where can they find you Absolutely. Well, Summer, thank you so much for having me on. This has been just an amazing conversation. Awesome. Awesome. So where you can find me, you can find me on my website, socialmoneyfinance.com. Again, socialmoneyfinance.com. You can also find me on social media under Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and it's all under socialmoneyfinance.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for bringing us your knowledge, your wonderful energy, and your time today. I know I have enjoyed it. I know our listeners are going to enjoy it. And if I could ask you one last thing, it'd be, you know, what's one last gem you want to leave the lurkers with? Yes. Well, I appreciate it. I actually beginning a curriculum and most of my business has been one-on-one financial coaching, which has been amazing. And I'll still be doing that. But I've taken nearly six years of knowledge and coaching and all the things and put it into a curriculum that I'm calling Manage Your Money, Love Your Life. And it starts January of 2021, 2021. And it is a 12-month curriculum that will help you learn how to make empowered financial decisions through the principles of effective money management. So I'm super proud of it, super, super excited about it. And I think it can help, especially my Gen X women, Gen Xers in particular, but anyone who is looking to learn how to manage their money effectively. So if you're interested in that, that is certainly something that you can go on my website, again, socialmoneyfinance.com and learn all about it. There's a tab there and I would love for you to register early. And I would love to present that information to you. Awesome. Now, does this curriculum, the same as the one you mentioned earlier about all the things you go over, is this a different curriculum? Nope. So this is brand new uh, for Jane start again, starting January of 2021. And yep, it's brand new and we're super excited about it because it takes our full framework and puts it into a curriculum. Awesome. So, uh, yes, that is That's what, exciting. Um, yeah, we would love for people, if they're interested, if this sounds like something they want, to definitely go on the website and check it out. Awesome. Well, guys, you heard it here first, where you can get this awesome curriculum to get your money management and your finances in order with the wonderful Stephanie Vaught. And Stephanie, thank you again for being here with us. It was amazing. Thank you, Summer. Thank you so much. All right, Lurkers, that's it for this episode of the Lurk Lounge. Gems were dropped and lessons were plenty. Shout out to our sponsor, Burnley Law PLLC. Burnley Law helps entrepreneurs nationwide secure their U.S. federal trademark registration 
For legal and business tips on how to protect and own the boss brand you're building, join the email list at BurnleyLaw.com. Until next time, I'm Summer Burnley, and thank you for lurking.